This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. You guys are so sweet. Listen, we had church. I was ready to go have lunch. That's church. I mean, I was so blessed just watching and and um, Gate family, you guys are amazing. You know how to host the presence of the Lord. And um, the Lord can trust you when you know how to host his presence. And I just, just, just sitting in the front row just going, thanks. Just get up and share some stories and laugh and go home and eat. And you guys did all the work, so praise God. I want to dive in this morning to my message. It's something that is very fresh on my heart. And I made a joke when I spoke in New York. I said, if you want to hear this message better, just YouTube Bill Johnson. <laughs> so I'll be vulnerable with you guys. You know, I was a student at Bethel back in early 2000s. And there were messages that Bill Johnson would preach that I, it's not that I disagreed with, I just wasn't there. And remember, you're just like, I've read it's the Bible, I just don't get it. Well, I've been in this season of my life where, listen, I can say this, and I believe it's, it's not arrogant, but I've been a good servant. I serve really well. I've served lots of ministries. You know, I was, I was raised up in a very different culture than some people are coming up in ministry. I was raised up that you never ask a pastor to preach, that God opened the doors. Um, I was raised up where, you know, you, you go to church and you serve, and I was at church as a new believer multiple times a week in my 20s, and I drove 45 minutes away. It was just a culture of servanthood. And then when I actually got launched into missions, I served the man of God. And I'd wash his, uh, not wash his clothes, I'd iron his clothes. And I would set his clothes up together. And it wasn't that he asked me these things. I'd get woken up by the Lord. And the Lord would ask me to do these things. And uh, I just have a very different upbringing in the Lord than most people. I was trained that if you wanted to take a city, but yet when you finished washing your hands in the bathroom, if you leave towels thrown you can't be entrusted with the city if you can't just clean up after yourself. Amen. These were the principles that I was, I was taught. And I really, really believe these things. And so, listen, the servanthood thing, like my wife and I have given cars away. We've, we've, you know, we've moved our family. And I look back at it, and some of those things I go, man, I wish I would have listened to my wife and not, you know, been the, the Lord spoke to me, honey, let's go. And I made so many mistakes, but it was, you know, I am thy servant. Speak thy word and whatever you say. And, and, and I understand that's really important. So now I'm in this season. Let me just break this down a little bit. Where, where the Lord is beginning, I believe it's not just what he's doing in me. I believe it's this progressive revelation of what's happening with us in the church. So let me put on a little teacher hat for a moment. How your foundation or your, your understanding of where we started, where, like in the beginning for you, determines what you believe. So if in the beginning, and most of us American Christians were taught that in the beginning, that Adam and Eve, they were told what? You can eat of all the trees in the garden, but don't eat of the one tree in the center of the garden, right? And so our Christianity emphasizes that Adam and Eve, they were tempted, they fell, and then the rest of our understanding of theology is what? You're sinners saved by grace. This is what most of us have been taught. So the central understanding of in the beginning, you're a sinner, and the rest of your Christianity is learning how not to sin anymore. Right? And that's, that's honestly most. Now, the difference between maybe some of us, maybe some of you that are a little bit older in the room, maybe from like a Pentecostal background or a charismatic background, you would have the same foundation. The difference is you believe in the Holy Ghost. But theologically... They're actually not that different. It's, we're still sinners, but we got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but, but actually, and, and now you take kind of, you know, again, we, we, you know, this house, we honor Bill Johnson, so I'm using that name a lot just so as a point of reference. But Jack Hayford's another one as well, and he's not the first. But this, now, the, now this charismatic move says, wait a minute, before the fall of man, there was something that happened. It's out of Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Let us make man in our image, right? Let them be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and have dominion. So now we're going, we're the kingdom people, right? And we're going, wait a minute, 
Before the fall, God's original mandate was that we would advance the kingdom of God. That's what's preached. That's, that's who we are. And that's even the understanding of influencing every mountain of society. Notice I said influencing. Influence is different than dominating. I believe that we serve every mountain of society. And I know so many amazing people that are full on like governmental prophets ministering to people in political positions in different governments that you would never know their name. Like God is beginning to raise up Daniels and Josephs in the business field and in the political realm and they're hidden and they don't have an itinerant ministry or a website, but they have a revelation of advancing the kingdom, even, even entertainment. I know so many sons of prophets, like sons of our like papa, mama prophets that are now in the um, education and making movies and film and all that because they're bringing a message that's reformational. But how many of you are aware that there was even something that happened before the dominion mandate? And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Before the foundation of the world, God predestined us to be sons and daughters. Now, now listen to me very carefully. I, I feel like I shared a piece of this here before, but a lot of you are new. I remember uh, sitting in the back of my church service, and I, I like to just, I like looking in the spirit, but I also like, uh, I just like looking at people. Like, I'm a people watcher. I love seeing you cry. I love seeing you raise your hands. It's, I'm not distracted from the Lord. It actually engages me more. I just, I, you know, I remember when I was young and I'd get in the front and I'd look around and somebody'd say, yeah, you need to close your eyes and worship. You need to close your eyes and worship. <laughs> I, I'm fully engaged, like my heart, like I love it. So anyway, so I go to the back to not be a distraction and I, I'm just looking around and having so much fun. The Lord speaks to me and he says this. How can you be uh, born again of uncorruptible seed and be adopted at the same time? I was like... I don't know. It's a good question. And that's all the Lord says. So I go and I do this deep uh, study, and I, and, I, and I begin to dive into all the places where it says we're adopted. How many of you are aware the word adoption is in the Pauline epistles? The understanding in the Greek culture of adoption, the word is quiostasis, I think, and it's to be set in place with all the rights and privileges as a son. That has nothing to do with our understanding of adoption where God's not really your dad, and then he adopts you, but he's not really your dad. That's, that's not the understanding biblically. Because in Jewish culture, they, they wouldn't adopt. In Jewish culture, if the father passes away, the family would welcome their family in. Are you tracking? It's in Greek culture. So when the apostle Paul is ad- addressing Greeks, they understand what he's saying. Like, you guys remember the movie Ben-Hur? It's like such an honor, like, like in the Greek culture, Greco-Roman culture, a man of his 70s would adopt a man of his 50s that had a good name. You have my name. So it's important that we understand when the verse says that we're adopted as sons and daughters, the Bible, when it says you're born again of incorruptible seed, for all the grown-ups there, the word there is sperma. So you're a new creation in Christ. Are you with me? So this is the reformation that I believe the church is in right now is actually not just, I'm not just a sinner saved by grace, and I'm also not just here to advance the kingdom. Because I'm aware of so many, including my journey was, I'm a kingdom guy, I advanced the kingdom, and I was so hyper, but I didn't have a revelation of the Father. And now, I'm like, this whole thing is about dad. Track with me, you know, for what, why did Jesus come? And we all have different answers, and they're biblical, right? For this purpose was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yeah, I like that verse. Right? He came to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Yes. But I believe that all of these reasons can be encompassed in this one. To reveal the Father. Jesus came to reveal what the Father is like. This is a really big deal to me. Especially as somebody that is beginning to be recognized as a prophetic voice. I recognize that it's important that people are starting to really care about what I say. One of the things that God began to really deal with me, even within the last few years, is actually he sent me to this place in Canada, and it was all these young guys that, that they were like, I was in ministry, and they were interns. And I was razzing them and picking on them. You know, I 
kind of grew up in that type of culture. You know, if you have a lot of uncles that were in prison. That's how they joke. Prison culture, you cut one another down, but that's actually a sign that I like you. So I, I was, you know, I grew up in that sarcasm. And so I would just cut these guys down. I went back to the room to rest. I said, Lord, anything you want to say to me? He said, I sent you here to be a father to them, but you're acting like an older brother. I mean, it was so, so I'm on this journey now. And so in order for me to be a good dad, not just to my children, but to grown-ups, I got to really see the father. And that's the season I believe the church is. I don't, we're, we're, once again, we're, we're, there's the cry of a generation, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. So this whole servant thing, I did really good. You with me? But then all of a sudden, the Lord began to speak to me. Let me just give you a verse here. It's found in John chapter 14 and verse 13. If I would have said John 14, 12, I would have heard greater works than, you know, amen. But a lot of people don't know the next line. <laughs> it says this, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This verse, this is one of those verses that we don't like to teach. Because you're like, well, wait a minute. If you ask God for the Powerball numbers, are you saying he's going to give you that? <laughs> don't you notice? Don't you notice people always overreact? One time I was teaching and I was talking about, you know, influencing every sphere of society and what God was doing, even in the video game industry and movies. And, and, and all of a sudden, this guy started manifesting in the front row. He was like, you mean you ask for this? I went, sir, I'm sorry. You just growled. I didn't understand what you were saying. You watch movies, rated R movies? I said, did I say rated R movies? No, you said rated R movies. So we swing on that pendulum so far, don't we? Not everybody has addictions and not every, like, we have to start thinking better of one another. Like, we have to trust the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in one another. Anyway, so, so, so with this verse, I'm, t I'm taking it from this perspective. That you're all born again. That every one of you has the Spirit of God in you. And I trust the Holy Spirit in you. And, and Ezekiel 36, 26, let me back up because, you know, I was only in the church when I got saved for six months before I started traveling. And the pastor, bless his heart, good man, he'd get up every Sunday and he was a drama guy. So he would like, he'd say, Jeremiah 17, 6 says, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. And who should know it? It was always this real dramatic thing, and it was often before an altar call. So just in six months, I knew that I had a wicked and deceitful heart, that I couldn't trust my heart. That yes, I'm born again, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit of God, shandala bandala, but I really can't trust myself. And it is genuinely my opinion that Christians at times hate themselves more than anybody else, because we're trying to crucify something God's already crucified. You're a new creation in Christ. Romans 6 says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Amen. So it's not my job to continue to remind you of your sins and shortcomings. Amen. It's my job to remind you of who you are in Christ. Yeah. I mean, so, so I'm, I'm looking at you from this perspective. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. And in that day, God declares a new covenant. And in that covenant, the heart of stone will be removed and you'll be given a heart of flesh. Right? The scripture says you have a new spirit that will cause you to obey. Let me ask you a question. You ever wonder how birds and animals migrate during the winter? It's instinctive. It's by their nature. You have a new nature. And if I were to legitimately sit down with any person in this room, I can guarantee you, and say, what are the deepest desires of your heart? I probably wouldn't hear murder everyone. <laughs> That's legitimate why people are afraid of what I'm about to share with you. What I would hear is, I want to see restoration in my family. I want to see my children grow up and know the Lord. I want to see revival in my city. Because you have a new heart. You're a new creation. You actually, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. And much of when we talk about intimacy, yes, it's the relational side of it, but a lot of intimacy is being in alignment. That my thoughts and his thoughts are aligned, and my heart and his heart is aligned. And I never want to get out of alignment. And when I do, I'm like, God... I just want to line my heart with you right now because my thinking is not lining up to yours. So the Lord's been asking me this question. Ivan, what do you want? 
It started many years ago. I was, I was traveling, doing all this type of ministry. I'm a very, you know, I was a very good performer, you know. My background is as martial arts, and so I actually did perform. I, judges, yeah! you know, <laughs> since I was seven, you know. I was probably the only guy in the room with a mom in the corner going, kick him in the head, Ivan! I'm like, ah, you know, like my mom's like, woo! You know, like very different upbringing than many of you. But I mean, it, it, you know, martial arts induces performance, like dance and ballet, and many of you gymnasts, you know, you kind of have that. And so, so the Lord starts asking me this question. So, so go back many years ago. I'm moving forward. I'm starting to burn out. I get invited to this. It doesn't matter. But it was, this, it was like so embarrassing, actually. I'll just tell you. God speaks eight emerging apostolic prophetic leaders that are going to lead movements. They gather at Mike Bickle's place. And it's all the sons and successors of movements. And they gave them my name. My youth group was 20 people. And I'm sitting there feeling like, you know what I'm feeling like. <laughs> Not good. And they're like, oh, I just started a prayer initiative that's gone global, you know, but we're still. And I'm like, don't get to me. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? So I, so I go to the bookstore and I said, there's a book by Max Lucado. It says, A Hat for Ivan. And I, and I like to joke. I said, hey, buddy, watch this. God's going to speak to me through this book. I turn to the back few pages. It says this. And everyone told Ivan what hat he's supposed to wear. And it made Ivan tired and exhausted. And then the book, it'll make me cry. And then the book says, I heard a little, anyway, I have empathy. And then in the book, the father comes in, represents God, and says, Ivan, take all those hats off of you. He says, I have a hat for you. Then he says this in the book, Ivan, what do you want? And I'm like, (laughs) and my buddy's like, bro. If you're ever in a gathering of apostles and prophets, there's not a lot of hugging and <laughs> not all that concerned about the guy's feelings. It's just very driven, focused, take over the world. How are you going to do it? And I'm like, <laughs> the guy's like, bro, are you crying? I'll come back. It was super uncomfortable. So let's move forward a few years. So I'm in Canada and I'm ministering at this church. You remember when all like the prophetic art was like cool and big? I mean, it's still cool, but like newer, newer. And I would see, like, I'd be sitting in a meeting next to Sean Bowles, and somebody would draw this beautiful horse, and, I'd, and then he'd walk over right next to me and give it to him. And I'd be like, He's, I like that picture. <laughs> and I started asking God, I want prophetic art, you know? And then, you know, those, I call them a toy chest, but a lot of times they're like inheritances, like the, I'm not sure what the, the chest. You know, they're made of wood, and great-grandpa made them, and the kids got them. And I've always liked those things, right? So I go to this meeting in Canada. And this woman says to me, you know, I own an art gallery, and the Lord spoke to me to give you anything that, that I have in the art gallery. Well, listen, you know, I grew up where, like, if I go to your house and you say, hey, are you hungry? No, thank you. And I could be starving. <laughs> Hispanic culture, you have to ask me multiple times. Yeah. If, I go, if you go into their house and they ask you once, you say no, that's respectful. They ask you a second or a th- because culturally I have to ask you. But, but if I don't ask you twice, it's because I don't have enough food for you. So if I ask you twice, there's enough food. So, you know, you grow up with these kind of mannerisms. And so I go in there, and she says, anything you want. I look at the price tag, and I go, good Lord. $1,000? I can't let this woman give me something that's $1,000. So finally, I'm so, like, double-minded. I can't figure out what I want. I call my wife. I wake her up. I'm in a different time zone. She says, I'm asleep, just pick something. <laughs> so, so, the, so the art gallery lady, bless her heart, if she ever heard this, I want her to be encouraged, but she picked a piece of art that I would never, it's just not my style, not the colors I like, and she's like, here, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> Could you imagine, those of you that like art, you get invited into an art gallery, and you can pick any piece of art you want. And then I got given something I didn't want. And this, this started happening to me a lot. It's like, you know, you, you ever have that, that encounter where somebody says to you, hey, do you want this? And you think about it, and then your friend goes, I'll take it. And they go, here. It's like, dang it, I really wanted it. I'm the guy that's always like, well, and then, dang it. <laughs> so then the next day, this lady invite, introduces me to this man somewhere from South America. 
And she introduces me, and, and in Latin American cultures, there's a lot of honor for ministers. And the man makes these chests out of whatever type of wood, and he handcrafts them, and, and he says, I want to make you one of these. And I went, oh, but I live in America, and you'd have to ship. He says, I'll pay the shipping costs. And I started thinking, I don't want to do that to him. You know, I could tell that he didn't have a lot of money, and I didn't want him to pay, and I no, thank you. So I went home with a piece of art noir, and I didn't get the chest that I wanted. This, this, is a, this became a pattern after a while where the Lord would ask me, what do you want? And again, it happened recently. I'm up in Canada. I'll just get to the story really quickly. I'm saying, God, I want to bless my kids. I want to get them something extravagant. The Lord says, believe me for a PlayStation. I said, PlayStation? So the short of it is, this young man finds out that I want a PlayStation, senior pastor's son. And he comes up to me with those prophet eyes that are so intense, and he looks me directly in my eyes, and he says, hey, Ivan, what do you want, a PS3 or a PS4? What do you want? Ivan, what do you want? I'm like, you better calm down. I go to the bathroom, I start to cry, I say, God, this is you. Again, this time over, a video game. A book, now a video game, I need my man card taken away. <laughs> and I come out and I say, this is the Lord, I'll have the PS4, but not the most expensive one. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Listen, I'll buy you the most expensive one, because I'm a good servant. Many of you can identify, because we were taught, what is true joy? Jesus, others, and you. <laughs> Listen, if you hate yourself, you're not loving anybody. You got to take care of yourself. So, let's turn the question around. So, let me just navigate this prayer time. So, this John 14, 13 passage is awoke in my prayer life. Come before God, and I'm making requests, and the Lord begins to say to me, Ivan, what do you want? And I go, God, I pray for my wife. God, that she would just walk in the fullness of her identity and her calling. He says, that's amazing, Ivan, what do you want? I said, Lord, I pray for my children. They would walk with you all the days of their life. They'd never taste of the Lord. That's amazing, what do you want? I said, God, I pray for my church. I pray that my church would grow in their identity and they would influence the city. He says, that's great. What do you want? And everything I would pray, those are good prayers. He'd ask me, Ivan, what do you want? And you want to know the truth? I had no clue. Because I'm a good servant. My job is to serve everybody else. And you know what happens to good servants? They stop dreaming. The Bible says when they were led away from captivity or led out of captivity, they were like those who dreamed. Now there's servant-hearted, which is a beautiful thing, but there's the mindset of a slave, which is different than the heart of a servant. We all need to serve. That's not what I'm saying. But you do understand what I'm saying. It's a mindset. Now all of a sudden, as the Lord is challenging me, then I hired a a coach. I hired a coach because I want to be a better husband, a better dad. What's the first question the coach, asks, the coach asks me? Let me ask you a question. What do you want? You know what I like about coaches, like business coaches? Pastors, they're like, oh, brother, let's just pray for it. And, it's, and then once you know the church lingo, like I'm a pastor, I know the lingo. And you quote a scripture, they quote a scripture, you hug. and You need to find, if you're in ministry, find somebody that's not going to quote you scripture. Like for me, I told this guy this beautiful thing. He says, hey, that sounded really great, flowery, biblical. Can you just put that aside? What do you want? I said, dang it. My Christianese didn't put a mask over you. And in this season, the Lord's been teaching me. Ivan, what do you want? So now I'm making declarations about what I want. It's not all spiritual. And the Lord began to speak this to me. Ivan, do you know why my people stop dreaming? Some of us don't believe it's theological, right? Especially if you're controlling. If you're controlling, the, the opportunity of just dreaming with God is scary. Because I just want you to tell me what to do that's safer. Right? But now all of a sudden, God gives you a choice, and then you're like, I don't like all these choices. Just tell me what to do. And the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. And there's so many people in this room that you've sought first the kingdom your whole life. And you've moved places and you've sold things and you've given up so much, you've sacrificed so much, and God's being a great dad to you and he's saying, look, 
You sought my kingdom so much. Now I'm going to ask you a question. What do you want? Hey, I'm inviting you now. No longer do I call you a servant, but I call you a friend. And I want to engage with you in this relationship. And for a lot of us, this is harder because, like Bill Johnson says, the church is waiting for a commandment and God is waiting for his people to dream. We've yet to see a city. The, the city's yet to see the church fully dreaming. What do you look like fully alive? Now, if you hear this message and the first thought you think of is, well, the pastor didn't release me, so I'm going to plant a church up the road, that's, that's, not, that's not dreaming with God. We're talking about dreaming with the Lord. And I want to encourage you, something happens when you stand before God and you, and you dream with him. You know what starts to happen? He says, that's awesome. Moses, I see that you've become awakened to the fact that you're a Jew. But you killed that Egyptian. You shouldn't have done it. So look, that's all right. You've got a dream. You want to help people? Let's put you in the backside of the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> and then I'm going to come back. And then Moses is humble. And then God can use him. Don't stop dreaming, but remember there's a process. There is still a process like Joseph had when he dreamed. Don't give up on yourself during the process. If it ain't good, it's not done yet. And the Lord began to speak this to me, and I want to finish with this. He said, Ivan, you want to know another reason? Number one's theological. Another one is, want to know why my people don't dream? Why, Lord? He says, because they say things like this to me. You know, if I had more money, I would do. And so, I'm one of those guys. God, I'd do this if I had more money, you know. Then the Lord is beginning to teach me. So my story about my house is pretty supernatural. We couldn't afford a home. And I think I might have shared this here before. And the mortgage broker lowered his interest rate. And the realtor lowered their interest. Everybody lowered everything. And they collected money. And they bought down my interest rate so that my wife and I could afford the monthly payments. You ever hear that happening in real estate agents? Not talking about taking the, out your commission. No, they used their own money and bought down my points. Because they said he's a young pastor. He want to help him and his family. So now I have this home that's an inheritance. And I'm so like amazed by it. But listen, my wife likes to cook. And she likes the kitchen. And the home hasn't been updated since the 50s. And so there's just a it's, it's a blessing. But we need some repairs. So one day I'm talking to the Lord. I say, you know what I want, Lord? I want a new kitchen. This is like my wife's secret place. So I want a new kitchen for my wife. It doesn't sound very spiritual to you. You're up here hearing a preacher travels all over the world. You think I'm praying for souls and harvests and miracles. And I, I do that. But I prayed for a kitchen. Shortly after, I meet with this guy. He's a contractor. And he says to me, you know what, Ivan? I did this work. I, I traded jobs. And I don't need the, the money anymore. So can I just donate this amount of money to you to so just redo your whole kitchen? He gave me my house. And now he's going to fix the kitchen for me. So when we're talking about dreaming, I know we have these dreams. You know, I want to take over the city. That's a, uh, that is a God dream. But don't forget the dreams that are important to the father. Like when the father said, I want you to get your son a PlayStation. That sounds way too personal. That sounds like a dad that cares way too much about the little things. That's the father of Jesus. That's our father. He really does concern himself with the things that concerns you. And in this season, prayer, listen, you know, I, 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 I asked this question. Let's say right now, you know, you're going to meet with the queen and she would grant you anything that she requested. Think about it. That'd be amazing. You probably really process and think about it. Well, you have access to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And according to John 14, 13, anything you ask in Jesus' name, the father will grant it to you. If that doesn't awaken your prayer life, I don't know what will. But I want to encourage you something. We're not taking up an offering. I'm not trying to manipulate anything here. But give on purpose. The Lord said to me, you want to know why a lot of my people are poor? So why is that, Lord? He says, because they have no vision for their finances. It's called provision. It's for the vision. And I can say this boldly because God corrected me about it. The Lord began to speak to me and said, Hey, Ivan, a good man, Proverbs 13, 22, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the way you and your wife are spending, you don't have a vision for your children's children. 
Whew. He's my dad. He gets to correct me, yeah? So do you have a vision for your finances? If you don't have a vision for your finances, it comes in, it goes out, and then you're always broke. I want to encourage you. God wants to prosper his people. I don't care. You can debate me for days. We receive the blessings of Abraham, and they're not just spiritual. God wants to prosper. You know what the Jew says? The Jew says, prosper me, according to Deuteronomy 8.18, you give me power to make wealth and make me humble. You know what the American Christian says? Make me poor so that I'm humble. That's why the Jews have all the money. Really, because they understand the covenant. Just study the Old Testament and you'll find all these references to Jacob's wealth, to Abraham's wealth. They weren't afraid to talk about wealth. We're afraid to talk about wealth. I'm not afraid anymore. Because I realize that it's not just about me driving up in a newer car, which is fine if I save the money for it and I'm not in debt, but it really is about what God wants to do to advance the kingdom. And so I want to encourage you. So in this season... The Lord's been asking me to sow. I'm just going to do this very quickly. I give to the poor. Because you know why? You give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. Good job, Ivan. Then God began to challenge me. He says, yeah, you lend to the poor, you lend to the Lord. That's good. And you also feel a little good about it. I just gave that man $5. He's poor. Then the Lord began to speak to me to sow into ministries that I know didn't need my 100 bucks. Now, and they almost offend me. You're like... That guy talking about all this stuff. The Lord's like, yeah, yeah, you see that offense in your heart? I want you to give him a thousand bucks. What? Yeah, get, I want you to learn how to sow into the glory. See, something happens when you look at your finances and you look at your dream and you go, there's no way I can do this with that. But then when you dedicate your finances to the Lord and then you begin to sow where he asks you, now... The scripture tells you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will come into your bosom. We want to see the kingdom advance, but the church has been afraid to talk about finances. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If right now no one knew me, and my checkbook or my bank account went up in front of you, you would say this. This guy loves his family. Spends a lot of money on his family. This guy eats out a lot. He's probably chubby. You'd just see it. It'd be right there. And then you'd go, this guy has some kind of relationship with the church or religion because he gives a lot. What would I see if I looked into your checkbook? This is why this is such an uncomfortable conversation because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And we can say we love God, but if we're not giving, then there's a disconnect. What I really, really felt that God, the message that I was burning is this. It's honestly simple. It's faith. When I sow my little $200 believing that God's going to fund a new building for our church or whatever, I'm just coming up with a number, that's actually showing I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm putting faith, not just talking about preachers manipulating finances and all that stuff. I'm talking about in your private life with Jesus. What are you believing the Father for? Start sowing into those things. I text my friend, hey, I got a business question for you. He sends me a picture of him in Cabo San Lucas. I did not get jealous. You know what I said? Praise God. I want to bring my family to Cabo San Lucas, so I'm going to send him a generous offering. And he's like, hey, that was really generous. I'm like, I'm not doing it for you. (laughs) The only way to fully understand this message is with a renewed mind. When you partner your fishes and the loaves with God, he will bless it and multiply it. Amen? I want to stand together. God is in the business. I think it was Bill Johnson, he said this, and at first I heard it, it was very offensive. He said, the Father's glorified when you get what you want. And people were like... It's like my son, I have three sons, my son's saying, my dad bought me, and they share all this stuff, and you're like, you got a good dad. (laughs) The father is glorified, and you getting the restoration in your family that you've been asking for. He's glorified, and you getting the breakthrough in your job that you've been asking for. The father's glorified when we walk with the fulfillment of prayer. 
No more. It's like we say this as if it's a prophetic word. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, it doesn't have to. It's not a prophetic promise. You don't have to let hope deferred make the heart sick. <laughs> you don't even have to get hope deferred. It's not, a, it's not a commandment. But desire come to pass as a tree of life. God wants to manifest his goodness through his people. This was his original intentions with the nation of Israel. He blessed them, and then the other nation says, hey, we want to know what's going on here. Oh, it's Yahweh. We have a covenant with him. We have a covenant with God. Amen. Beloved, above all things, I pray that you prosper. Even as your soul prospers and that you be in health, spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. I want to pray for you, and then I want to ask us to do something. I want you to begin the dream. Now, some of you are my personality type, and so you can just say, oh, yeah, dream about Others, it's not as easy, so let me frame the question differently. What's a problem in the world that you want to fix? Because some of you are more solution-oriented, problem-oriented. You're not dreaming in the sense of feel. You're more thinker. So I want us to close our eyes for just a moment. I preach this message a lot lately. Actually, it's the third time. And people get offended. And they go, you know, Ivan, this... If you have to get your kids, I want to just release you to do that now while we step into ministry. For some people, it offends them because they look at the situation that they're presently in and they want to blame God for it. I want to say, God, you sent me to Charlotte. I don't want to come in the first place. So I'm going to be grumpy because I'm just obedient. The scripture says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fruit of the land. So you might be obedient, but you haven't been willing. <laughs> you got to be willing, like actually be happy about it. So Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for a better covenant with better promises. I thank you, Father, that even the, the Jews of their day would have asked your disciples, where's your temple? Where's your sacrifice? Where's your priesthood? And Lord, I thank you that you actually invite us to be your temple, to be your priesthood, and to enter into your sacrifice. I thank you for the new covenant. I don't want to go back to the old one. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would begin to awaken the dreams of the heart of your people, that the city will be better when you dream. Yes. This city will be better because of your dreams coming to pass. Father, I'm asking right now, the picture that I saw during, listen, if you don't come to the early morning prayer time, that was not better. It's not good to compare spiritual things. Just as good as the service. I was like, good night. I just had church. So that prayer time was on fire. And I saw there, I think I've seen it here before, an angel just fanning the flames. It's awakening. I believe you have an angel assigned to the church called awakening. Every time I come here, it's about awakening. It's about awakening. It's about awakening. So, Lord, I thank you that you're awakening the hearts of your people to dream. This is a new covenant house. This is also an apostolic house, which means there is no ceiling. You can come to pastors and you can say, we want to start it's like a pogo stick movement. And you're like, yes! If you preach Jesus, do it. So God, I thank you right now that we're like those who dream. I thank you that those who dream are filled with laughter. They're filled with joy. They're filled with hope. They're filled with encouragement. So even right now, in the name of Jesus, I just want to, just, just, as I'm praying, I'm just watching like spiritual water wash over you, breaking off discouragement. And some of you would say, but listen, you know, you don't know what I've been through. You're in the process. Don't give up. It's not, if it's not good, it's not over. So God, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for the dreamers. I thank you that it'll be said of the gate Charlotte. That's the, that place of those who dream. So Holy Spirit, we thank you right now for just this precious awakening that's taking place in the heart of your people. We just say more. Can you say more, Lord? More, Lord. Let me just deal with one more thing very quickly. Lord, I pray right now that you'd begin to speak to the hearts of people. I preached this message in my church, and I was red in my face the whole time on finances. I was red in my face the first time I ever preached. The Lord spoke to me, said, you think you're helping the people by not preaching about finances. You're actually hurting them because you're withholding a blessing. So I preached the message feeling so embarrassed. My face was red. And then I, and then I said, well, I'm not going to take up an offering at the end, and I'm not now. 
But there, I said, I'm not going to take an offering at the end because I don't want people to think I'm manipulating. I don't want my heart to ever be that way. Then the Lord said, oh, you really don't want the people to be blessed. So, so I preach an offering message. I take up an offering, and I'm red in the face the whole time. I've had more testimonials in my church right now about an increase in finance, a change in jobs. I mean, I mean it's one couple had no food. They come up to the front. They throw their last offering on the front, and then somebody a week later gives them $1,000. This thing works. So I just want, even maybe you're here in this community, and you're, you're not a giver. You're not a tither. Ask the Lord about it. I have a friend that's a multimillionaire. And the Lord visits him in the night and says, hey, I want to start teaching you how to make some money. And he laughs out loud. He's a multimillionaire. Basically, God was saying, you got this on your own. I want to teach you how to do it my way now. And he says, God, what's your way? And the Lord says, I want you to go to church tomorrow, and I want you to give. <laughs> the kingdom principles are different. So, Lord, even right now in Jesus' name, as we're getting awakened to our dream, I pray for practical application. I'm not saying giving is the only way, but to me it's one way. So, Father, even right now, begin to awaken the dreams in people's hearts. And, Lord, just awaken people that we're supposed to give into, sow into. Maybe there's people here this morning that are not able to pay their bills, but they're not telling anyone. You know, the breakthrough financially doesn't just come out of heaven. The breakthrough financially comes through you and I. We're the gate of heaven. So make us sensitive, Holy Spirit, to the needs of others. I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I want to do something just very quickly. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor John. God, we thank you for this incredible community. We thank you for what you're doing. Let's have um, Luis stand up. And is that your wife? You guys can stand. Is that your family next to you? Why don't you come up here so I can see them? I want to pray for a few people. And we, we've already had church. Listen. Can you do this for me, Jordan? I've seen way too many people open it between their legs. It's a rookie mistake. Jesus, I bless this couple, and I thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I thank you for just uh, the gift of faith that's coming upon them in this season. I declare over you, hear the turnaround. I declare over you that what the locusts and the cankerworm and the palmer have eaten, Lord, I declare a complete restoration of life, of family, of health in Jesus' name. And I see a cause that's being awoke in the both of you. It's already there. And it's like there's a scripture, I believe it's Psalms 11.3. It says, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. What will the righteous do? It's this David, the spirit of David. And he says, you know, is there not a cause in Israel? And so I just want to confirm this cause that God has placed within your heart is from him. Begin to declare it on the rooftops and watch the finances come. It does, it's not going to happen the other way. It's not going to be get money, then do it. It's declare it and watch the resources come. Does that make sense? I see children. Do you have children? I bless your children in Jesus' name. I saw an umbrella over them, and it was a covering. And it was, I just feel like there's any fear of sickness or anything like that. Oh, it'll make me cry. Uh, we just thank you right now, God, for your covering of protection over their children, God. Just stretch forth your hands, because I don't know. You pick stuff up sometimes. and So, God, we just declare healing wholeness, protection over their family. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you canceled debt. I just saw that, these medical bills and just a stamp paid in full. We just declare right now over there. In Jesus' name, supernatural debt cancellation. Lord, you do it. Man, maybe I can have a pastoral couple just come stand next to them for a moment and just soak them in prayer there. Jesus, we give you praise. You're the God of miracles. Can I make a declaration? I want to. I want to. Dec- I'm a king. I make a declaration, right? The priests make petitions. Kings just kings don't ask; they just say. I want to make a declaration. I want to declare that many of you that are in financial debt, I want to declare jubilee. I, I just by faith now. I'm not seeing an angel. I'm not hearing a word. Just by faith, I want to make a declaration that you get to start new. I'm asking you, Father, for medical bills, uh, school loans, 
just things that have been increasing, one credit card, another credit card. God, I pray right now for mercy. I want to share a quick story with you. One time I judged this minister, and I knew I was judging this minister very bad. And then I, I had this revelation that I was about to reap what I'd sowed. It started to happen. The things that I judged them about, started to, accusations started coming against me. And I fell on my knees. I said, God, I know what this is. I, so, I, so, I judged that person, and now I'm reaping. And the Lord spoke this to me. Have you considered my mercy? And I fell on my face and said, God, have mercy on me. I did everything. I, I, I spoke ill of them, and I did this, and I did that. And you know what? Everything broke. I think some of you are, are you're like guilt-ridden because you say, well, I don't deserve to get debt canceled because I did this. Right? You don't understand the better covenant then. It's a covenant of forgiveness. So first forgive yourself, and then I want you to ask God for mercy. So Father, right now we ask for mercy. Lord, for the way that we've been spending irrationally, God, I ask for mercy, and I'm asking you now for debt cancellation. Lord, let it be heard all throughout this community that people's debts have been canceled, and we thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Is there Philip here? I heard two names very quickly together, like a Philip and a Paul. Is there any significance? I mean, those are Bible guys. <laughs> You're waving at me. You're oh, that's, I thought she was blowing kisses at me. I don't know, grandkids or something. <laughs> I was like, oh. Plead <laughs> the blood. Let me pray this over you guys. It happened already this morning. Listen to me. You as a community are up walking in such a different spirit than what I feel in the spirit. Are you tracking with me? Do you get that or no? Regionally, I felt a real offense over word of faith. Regionally. And so whenever God asked me, so Friday night, Whenever God asks me as a prophet to come somewhere and do a healing service, I always freak out. You know why I freak out? Because it triggers more things than ever. I'm telling you, I, I, guys, I know I look 12, but I love healing, and healing breaks out. But whenever I come, I've seen people get angry. People, one time I did a healing service not knowing that the pastor's wife died of cancer. And so healing's breaking out, and you know what happened? The fire touched his heart and exposed all the bitterness that he had. One time I did a healing service in a church, and a woman's deaf ear opened up. Only miracle. And it actually healed the church from all the healing services where nothing happened. Right? On Friday, we were going after healing. And I saw this massive wound. And I just, I just feel this. Any areas of offense that we have of maybe the word of faith or excessive preaching or people that were healed and died or people declaring, I just feel like as a community that's not walking in that offense, we need to minister forgiveness under repentance. Because I see two mantles that God wants to drop. I'm not saying here. I don't know where they're going to land. I know that doesn't sound super clear, but it's me being honest. John Wimber... Kenneth Hagin Sr. In the spirit, I'm seeing two mantles. The vineyard movement, worship, signs, and wonders. Kenneth Hagin, word of faith, was the word of faith. Decree a thing and it'll be established. And towards the end of Hagin's ministry, he corrected his sons about the name it, claim it. He brought correction to them and said, stop laying hands on Cadillacs and claiming it. You missed the point. But I just feel like as a region, there's some offenses to things that will actually hinder this thing from falling. Can, can we do business really quickly? Yeah. So with Daniel 9, let's stand in the gap. I'm saying very honestly, I don't feel it here and with you, but I definitely feel it in the region. So Father, we just stand in the gap like Daniel 9 and we just repent. Father, I repent in Jesus' name for, for being critical, for being judgmental of these movements, Lord, and maybe the excesses that I've seen and the judgments that I've formed in my heart. Lord, would you just forgive us now? And I just, I just, I release all judgment and all criticism 
And we ask, Lord, that these mantles that represent movements would rest in Charlotte. Lord, let it rest in this house. Lord, I'm asking for a, sea, a, a fresh move of the Spirit. These mantles, you know, I, it's a new thing, but this is the only way I can explain it. So, Lord, I just pray that you would clear the air for this thing to be able to rest on us. Let our hearts be humble to receive what you're doing. In the name of Jesus. Very quickly before I transition, is there somebody here right now with excruciating pain in your leg? You feel pain right now in your leg. I saw it like moving up and down like vibrations. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to start walking around and show you where you're sitting. Yeah. I had a meeting one time. They didn't believe it, and I started telling people what was wrong with them. I feel in this area, there's something going on with somebody's knee, and I saw like sharp pains going up and down. Maybe you're not feeling it now, but there's excruciating pain. Okay. You could have just... I'm just <laughs> I, want to, I want to pray for you. Can you stand? Do you feel pain now? No, not right now. When they prayed for it earlier, it kind of subsided, but it's, it's something going on. Okay. Let's just stretch forth our hands and let's just deal with this thing. So, God, I thank you right now for healing. Yes. And I thank you that even this healing would be prophetic. God, that you're healing the walk of your church. There is a company of young people that are not that young anymore. They're mid-30s, almost 40, that have been through move of gods in this region that have been very hurt. And I'm telling you, the Lord's going to use the gate to be a place like a womb. And I see these mid-30s, 33, 34, 35, they were a part of moves of God in other churches. And they're going to come here and they're going to be a little bitter and a little cranky. But they're going to come into the womb of God and get healed and get restored. There's a move of the spirit of restoration. And, and like Pastor John said, I'm a pusher. I'm a prophet. I'm a pusher. I'm going to offend you and I'm going to get the breakthrough. But that's not what God's doing here. It's a love movement. It's invitation. So Lord, I thank you that the big heart of God is over this building and people are going to show up here saying, I, I said I would never come to church again, but something drew me here. So I thank you right now, Lord, you just completely healed this woman's leg. And I thank you that you're healing all these emerging leaders that, that in some ways they forfeited their calling because of hurt. We thank you for that. Can I get an amen? amen.